We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince! Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner, three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter! Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Betty Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Syracuse takes down an in-state foe, 81-70. The Orange beat Cornell in the Dome. This podcast comes at you from anywhere and everywhere. Ian Unsworth in New York City, staying with the girlfriend for a couple days. And Johnny Gadamwitz, who just celebrated a birthday yesterday. So, happy birthday, Johnny. How'd you oh, spend the day? Oh, thank you, Ian. I appreciate that. I did not expect a birthday shout-out on, on the pod. But you know what? Jordan year, 23. Why not? We'll take it. Appreciate it. Well, Johnny G and I will be spending Friday night gallivanting around New York City. And hopefully you enjoy spending a bit of your Friday checking out the podcast. Red is the new orange. You can follow us on Twitter, F68 underscore Qs. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Watch on the Field of 68 Podcast Network. You can give myself a follow on Twitter at Ionzi underscore. Johnny's on Twitter at Johnny Gwitz. And coincidentally enough, Mr. Gadamwitz is also the play-by-play voice of Cornell men's and women's basketball when the Big Red are at home in Ithaca. So Johnny was kind enough to hop on Q Sports Talk uh, and give some insight there. Our preview podcast had a bunch of good nuggets about Cornell. And looking at the final score, an 81-70 result, you texted me beforehand, Johnny. I did. You thought Cornell had a really good shot to pull it off. And they kept it close for the majority of the game. Yeah, I, I think a lot of Orange fans are going to see that final result and kind of be annoyed at is how close it was, particularly down the stretch. Cornell was within six or seven points with minutes to go. Um, but but I think if you're a Syracuse fan, you got to be pleased with the result, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. The Big Red aren't world beaters, but as we spoke about on our preview podcast before the game, they're a pretty good team. And for Syracuse to kind of disrupt their rhythm 
and force them to do some things that they don't normally do, which we'll touch on as we move through the podcast here. But I, I give Adrian Autry a lot of credit, um, you, you know, to hold a Cornell team that's MO is, you know, scoring at a very consistent rate to 31 points in the first half. That's something that not a whole lot of teams that Cornell has seen this year have been able to do in terms of neutralizing their attack. I know it wasn't always pretty at times from a Syracuse standpoint, but particularly coming off the way you looked against Virginia, where you were flat as can be, to go out there and get a win, even if it wasn't the prettiest of wins, a win all the same, I think does a lot for this Orange team moving forward. This was an ugly basketball game Yeah, at times. Very safe to say ugly basketball game and in the same sense that LSU was ugly this was ugly as well where Cornell was passing the ball at lightning speed to take the first available three-pointer and those three-pointers did not look like they were coming out of the hands of great shooters all the time a couple from a uh, DJ Knicks that were nowhere close to the rim Sean Hansen Chris Mannon both with some clunkers uh, the Big Red were looking to take the first available shot. We talked about the pace that Cornell plays with. 143 total possessions in this game. I think Cornell on average is, what, like oh, above the 70 per game range, which yeah. is, I think, was top 25 in the country. So we knew this game was going to be fast. And Cornell, after they hit their threes, seemed like they had a solid foothold in the game. But early on, Cornell was terrible. I think by the four-minute mark of the first half, they had only made one or two out of at least 15 attempts, finishing the game 9 of 33. That Which gives you hear, Syracuse okay, you a still lot think, of help. And you finish the game with nine. You hear, all right, not a terrible night, but when you take 33, obviously that leaves a bit desired. You talk about just 27% from beyond the arc. That's not a number that this Cornell team can survive. They live by the three. They die by the three. If it's not falling, it's going to be a tough night. And I think the final real play of the game that was sort of emblematic of, of the rest of the contest before was when Keller Boothby, uh, another one of these sharpshooters that the Big Red had, had one down the stretch that I believe would have made it a two-point, either a two- or a three-point game with like a minute to go, and it was nowhere even close to the rim. And that sort of embodied what Cornell was looking at. They still found a way to do what they do. I mean, 18 helpers on the night. This is a team that's going to pass, zip it all around the perimeter, as you mentioned, Ian. Um, but, you know, when they make their shots, they look really good. When they don't make their shots, they don't look really good. And I think from a Syracuse standpoint, um, I think, you know, I'm willing to chalk it up to a little bit of Cornell just having an off night from a shooting perspective. But also Syracuse did everything they could to disrupt them, right? They knew it was coming. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, I go back to that 31 number, right. To, to minimize their impact out of the gate from a Cornell standpoint. Right. I, I thought this was the kind of game Ian, and I think me and you were on the same page where, you know, we could have been at the under 12 and we could have already been looking at, you know, a, a 25, 24 game or, you know, a 23, 22 game. That was not the case, right. It took these teams a little bit of time to find their rhythm offensively. And that obviously was something that favored Syracuse in a game like this. The old coaching acronym KYP really comes into play here. Syracuse did a great job of shutting down the guys that were going to take the three-point shots and then letting some of the bigs launch it away. And if DJ Nicks beats you, he beats you. There's no other way to go about it. And he didn't. 
Knicks only had six points. He was two of four from three. Cooper Nord, on the other hand, the best scorer on this Cornell team, was three of nine from behind the arc. He had 15 points on 13 total shots. So Syracuse guarded the guys it had to guard and kept Malik Brown and Naheem McLeod, when McLeod was on the floor, in the paint otherwise, and said, go ahead, make the threes. Just like the Orange did with LSU, go ahead, make the threes. Cornell's a vastly better shooting team, but you're playing in the dome, which, as we know, the background's different, the distance behind the rim is different. People talk about how different it is to shoot in that gym, and most of these players had never done it before. It's not like Jimmy Beheim's walking through that door again. So I thought Syracuse defensively, yes, the rebounding again, they struggled, but they stuck with the guys they needed to shut down. Also on the rebounding front, it's really hard to rebound three-point misses because the ball's coming from a long way away and it bounces everywhere because it has all that time and all that pace on it to seek the rim, right? If you're two feet away from the backboard, you throw it up, you probably can guess where it's coming from, but a three-pointer can hit the side of the rim and bounce anywhere and also take a lot of long bounces. That's what hurt Syracuse. It wasn't the guys not crashing the glass. They just got some unlucky bounces, which allowed Cornell to capitalize on those extra possessions. And the Big Red only had 13 second chance points. That's not a number that's going to beat you. Yeah, and Syracuse, all told, still found a way to win the rebounding battle, albeit only by three, right? But they did out-rebound the Big Red 45 to 42. And I think that was something that we were really focusing on as well. I mean, and you you hit on it as well, Ian, last time we spoke, where, look, this was going to be interesting to see how Naheem McLeod was going to be utilized in a game like this, where it's rampant, up and down the court, fast-paced. We didn't see a ton of McLeod, right? This was more the They tried to get it to him early, but right. he, he just he wasn't that effective. Yeah, and it was more the type of game that Malik Brown would be well-suited to go out there and, you know, eat up some serious minutes, and he did. He played nearly a half an hour, 28 minutes. So I think Syracuse knew what they wanted to do. Uh, they came out with a game plan, and they executed that game plan to their credit. I mean, Judah was spectacular as always. Um, you know, he pours in 28 points, and Chris Bell had his solid night shooting, which, again, you know, it's been a real Jekyll and Hyde nature of of his game so far. But when he's on, he's on, and you'll take that. Um, and, again, it's one of those games where the Orange kind of did just enough. They didn't pass the test with flying colors, but here we are in early December. You don't have to be passing tests with flying colors yet. It's all about just finding ways to get wins, and they did that. How about Justin Taylor? 15, 8, and 6. Yeah, maybe he heard me from last episode. Syracuse got him the ball in ways that were advantageous to Justin Taylor. Remember how we talked about passing it around and JT gets the ball in the corner with a guy on him? There's nothing yep. he can do. The ball moved a bit more effectively in this game because Cornell is not as good as pressuring the ball as a Virginia team is. And Taylor also in transition caught it with space, caught it with momentum and got himself going downhill a little bit. It wasn't all just three-pointer, three-pointer, three-pointer. Eight rebounds and six, six assists mm -hmm. for a guy that doesn't have the ball in his hands for most of a possession. Really impressive really good numbers and something that if it continues is going to be a spark plug for this team. I mean, not only was he nailing the easy threes, he would catch it off a rotation 
attack the lane. He also had that beautiful one-handed lob to McLeod in transition. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff you weren't seeing from Justin Taylor last year. That's a step forward, or at least a sign of it. And you hope that it pays dividends for his confidence moving forward in terms of just continuing to build and taking strides with each and every game. I also want to bring up an Amy and that, that it feels like we haven't really talked about a ton on this podcast down the stretch in the second half, Judah got into foul trouble and red Autry went to Kyle cuff for more minutes, maybe than we're used to seeing Kyle cuff. And I, you know, you look at the box score and you won't think cuff had a great game by any stretch, two points on just one of five, but you watch the game and, and he gave the orange what they needed as a spark plug off the bench, right? When Judah had foul trouble late, all of a sudden you wonder, okay, this is a Cornell team that really checks all the boxes with the guard play, right? They like to push the pace. How is a guy like Cuff, who barely has seen many minutes this year, going to be able to keep up and kind of come in cold off the bench and, you know, do what he needs to do to keep pace? And he did, I, I thought, um, at least to the extent that you needed him to. Again, sort of, you know, a similar theme with the team as a whole, right? Nothing wowed you in this game. Um, but you know, as I've said on this podcast before, you continue to take those baby steps. And I think you can look at that more narrowly at the individual level too, with guys like Taylor and cuff. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What you need from Cuff is good defense. That's yeah. his calling card, to get active against a guy with the ball, to clog up a passing lane, and he'll always provide that night in and night out. You don't need him to store because down the stretch, it was Chris Bell and Justin Taylor hitting those timely threes, and Mintz, to his credit, was five for seven today. He hit a couple big ones before going out with the fourth foul. So those guys who aren't the mainstays, contributed and again mints with 29 will be the headliner but cuff in those limited minutes I think he played 15 total was a difference maker at times because the cornell guards never got a break never got a breather and even though they as we said like to play 11 12 13 guys 
every single Cornell guard had a heck of a time trying to attack the rim. And I think one more number that you just mentioned moments ago that, that we shouldn't really gloss over here either is the fact that Judah Mintz made five three-pointers. And two right? of them were very contested. The first yeah. two were very, very contested. For as great as he's been so far this year, that's been the one element of his game that you know has been maybe not lacking, but I think if you were to ask the casual Syracuse fan what, what needs improvement out of his game, it would be just that, right? Stepping back from beyond the arc and converting it a little bit of a higher clip. He made five on seven attempts. Obviously, that's not a sustainable percentage, but again, if he can just continue to add that layer, that element to his game, it's going to make him that much more dynamic. One thing I want to touch on that Adrian Autry will probably look at after the game that needs to be improved is his rotations. At the end of the first half, Cornell went on an 11-1 to run to head into the break. Here's the lineup, Johnny. J.J. Starling, Judah Mintz, Chris Bell, Quadir Copeland, and Malik Brown. What is missing from that lineup, in your opinion? I think the obvious answer is probably size, right? You talk about, obviously, having McLeod as the body. But outside of that, a lot of guys who are just going to camp out, be on the arc, kind of just do their thing, not necessarily a ton of off-ball movement, per se, when you've got the likes of Bell and Copeland out there at the same time. Um, so I think, I think the wing play probably is, is the biggest lack with, with that particular five. Yeah. Kind of tacking onto that. It's shooting. Yeah. Chris Bell is the only guy that's going to shoot the three confidently and quickly in that lineup. So Cornell packed it in and that's what really worked on the defensive end. Everyone crowded in the paint. Mintz was already playing with two fouls. So he had to be careful. He couldn't drive. J.J. Starling just had another clunker of a game. Right. Um, I think he he needs to do a bit of soul-searching with the coaching staff to find an effective way to get him involved because when Judah Mintz is not on the floor, Starling isn't that effective, even though he is the main player on the team. And Quadir Copeland's always involved, but sometimes it's more bad than it is good, whether it's trying to throw a circus pass and chucking it out of bounds or driving into three people and – drawing an offensive foul so he needs to be reined in a little bit and you just need to have two shooters on the floor at all times or at least two dudes that are very capable of shooting the basketball and I know you have to give Taylor some breaks but without him on the floor you really lose a lot of the floor spacing well I think what it comes down to Ian is the fact that this is not a very good shooting team at least as far as their makeup go right like uh, you know, you mentioned those five of Mintz, Bell, Starling, McLeod, and Copeland and said Bell is the only shooter, right? Which which I agree with. Um, you know, who who else would you have in there besides Taylor that, that can be a guy that can, you know, make you pay from being right? Like this is not a team that is scattered and littered with guys who are going to make you pay from downtown. Now, th- there is a whole nother discussion there as far as is that something that can do this team favors in terms of sort of embracing that. Um, but I do agree with you and that obviously it's nice to have more than one option out there, particularly when you're going up against a team like Cornell, who you can get into a dog fight with in a three point battle. Well, if Mintz keeps can shoot, shooting five of seven consistently, right, that's why that's so big. Know, yeah. Maybe he takes that next step and, and becomes a shooting threat. We'll move on to talk Georgetown, but before that, a quick word from Rob Doster and our friends at BetMGM. 
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. At the time of this recording, it is 11.57 on Friday, December 8th. The 99th meeting between Syracuse and Georgetown is tomorrow in less than 24 hours. Johnny, you know what I'm going to say. It might be 11.57, but Georgetown. You set it up perfectly. Still stinks. You set it up perfectly. There we go. Yes. Georgetown still does stink, for anyone wondering. New coach in Ed Cooley, uh, new team, a bunch of portal guys. Primo Spears is no longer the spearhead of the offense. Instead, it's Jaden Epps. Yes, Dikembe's son is still on the team. He does not play. Jay Heath. BC, I mean, Jay Heath was at BC for five years. He's been at Georgetown for three more, and you know how all that works. How does that guy still All things considered, yes, all things considered, Georgetown, not that good. Five and three with losses to the Crusaders of Holy Cross, who fell to Siena to begin the season. By the way, if you're wondering, uh, our friends in the capital region of Siena are struggling mightily this year. Georgetown also with losses to Rutgers and a close one, actually, in their last matchup with TCU. But there are a lot of games on the schedule that the Hoyas have won close that if you looked at these matchups in 1984, not close at all. Merrimack, one by two. Jackson State, one by seven. American, one by five in overtime. And also Mount St. Mary's kept it pretty close with Ed Cooley in the Hoyas. So this is not, not your dad's Georgetown team. However, there is one guy in Jaden Epps that could completely blow the roof off of this game. Yeah, back-to-back 30-point games already at this point this year. He has been spectacular from a Georgetown standpoint. Epps coming over from Illinois, and you mentioned it, Ian, really kind of a new-look Georgetown squad. First-year head coach, Cooley's got the track record for kind of taking programs and turning them around for the better. All you got to do is look what he did at Providence. Providence. But Epps is the guy who you circle on the scouting report. Um, You know, part of an Illinois squad last year where, you know, he wasn't necessarily a focal point um, for whatever reason. Saw over 20 minutes per game, but by no means was the showstopper on that Illinois squad. So for whatever reason, 
hits the portal, as you can do nowadays ever so easily, and now sort of becomes that bigger fish in the smaller pond. Um, and one of the more dynamic guards that Syracuse will have seen this year, right? And and sort of opposite from the game plan of Cornell and UVA, where not necessarily one guy that can take over a game. You could say, okay, maybe Reese Beekman a little bit with Virginia, but he's more known for his defensive abilities, obviously. This is probably the guy who, if you were to say, okay, he is a walking bucket, probably the biggest walking bucket Syracuse will have seen in the better part of going on two weeks now. Um, So I'm interested to see what the philosophy is defensively, what they're going to sort of throw at Epps. And from a Georgetown standpoint, who else steps up if Epps does indeed have an off night, right? If it is Judah and Judah's able to lock him down and, you know, he hasn't really been held in check a ton this year. That's something this Georgetown team, from their identity standpoint, is just going to have to figure out of where else can they turn to. Um, But if, you know, they go as Epps goes. So I'll be keying in on him. Everybody watching the game will be keying in on him to see what his level of impact is. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, he's top seven right now in the Big East in scoring per game, almost 20 points a game, assists per game, over four, and also is the leading three-point shooter in the Big East at 46%. I don't know if that number is going to continue, but Epps has a flamethrower. when he And it's not hot. a he small sample six. size either. It's not no, a small it's sample not. size He went anymore, six yeah. of 13 against American, and he was seven for nine against Jackson State. He can really light it up. Yeah. 24 of 52 on the year. A couple other names to keep an eye on. Dontrez Styles. if you're a Syracuse fan, you might know him. He was a barely used guard at UNC a couple years ago. I mentioned Jay Heath. Yeah, he's still playing basketball somehow, some way. He averages 10 a game. And one more guy that just came back from, I think it was an ankle injury last year in the NCAA tournament. Ish Masood, transfer from Kansas State. He hit some really big shots. Uh, I think he he beat Michigan State, and I want to say the Sweet 16 with a three uh, to send Kansas State to the Elite Eight against FAU. Ish Masood, is a, he'll play like the four or five. He's a big dude, but he'll stay on the perimeter and almost exclusively shoot the three. So that's another pretty bad matchup for Naheem McLeod or even Malik Brown, who has great hands, but also is – they need him in the paint. He can't stand out on the perimeter and contest three pointers all game. Right. Right. And, and interesting too, from a Syracuse standpoint here, Ian, and that, you know, they might've sort of ca- caught the Hoyas a little bit at a wrong time. Not, not to say they're red hot right now coming off that one point loss to TCU, but before that TCU loss, even though they were tightened down to the wire, they had still won four straight. And I think if you were to ask most Georgetown fans, Hey, do you expect to lose by only one to TCU? The answer probably would have been, no, they were in that game right to the end of the wire. So, you know, pick to finish eight of 11 in the Big East preseason poll, not a ton of expectations. They're already two wins away from tying last year's mark on the total, and it's yeah. only December 8th. So, 
Syracuse has to be careful. Uh, you know, there's you look at all the metrics, you look at all the rankings, what have you. This is not a Georgetown team that is scary by any stretch. Um, but you know, if the Orange are, are caught sleeping for whatever reason, things could be a little more interesting than you might think on the surface level. Yeah, pretty easy to get caught sleeping at 11.30 a.m. on a Saturday if you're a college student. A Georgetown team that shoots 39% from behind the arc and over 54 from the field. So there will be a lot of scoring. Again, could be a high-tempo game, could be a very high volume of three-point shots. So even though the matchups might be different, the personnel definitely more improved than what the Orange saw from the Big Red. I think this pace and this continuity actually that Syracuse is building up over the past couple games will help coming into this thing where again we'll play in the 80s expect another shootout and expect Epps versus Mintz to probably be one of the best guard duels we'll see this season oh yeah really looking forward to it again bright and early tip so grab your coffee grab your brunch tomorrow morning and lock it in on Fox. I think Gus Johnson might be on the call, so that should be explosive. And Syracuse and Georgetown for the 99th time will duke it out. This one's at Capital One Arena down in D.C. Thanks for sticking to the end with us. Johnny Gadamwitz and Ian Unsworth, remember to drop us a follow, F68 underscore Cuse on the Blue Bird. Follow our podcast network, Field of 68, on YouTube, and also subscribe to the Field of 68's main channel, where they've got After Dark and a couple of big wide-view pods from Rob Doster, Jeff Goodman, Robbie Hummel, and the like. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy Syracuse, Georgetown, and go Cuse.